Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Midweek Podcast. In this show, we strive to open a dialogue of how life recovery and God's Word go hand in hand. Every week, our speaker will be going through the biblical process of life transformation. And now, another episode of the Midweek Podcast. This is Doug Reinhardt. Uh, him and his amazing wife um, are very close to our family here. Uh, sweet Kathy is on staff here at Temple Church. Doug Reinhardt has a critical role, not only throughout really celebrate recovery's establishment here and growth and, and, and the impact that's had on our community, but also in our missions department, not only with Tanzania, but his heart towards missions. And so... Um, as we were working through and as I was really praying about the specific testimonies that align with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, his kept coming to my mind, kept coming to my mind. And for some of you that know it, um, I hope that you'll be able to hear um, different aspects of it. For those of you that don't, I'm excited for you to be blessed by it uh, because it's pretty good stuff. God is definitely glorified through it. So, Doug. This is meant to be more of a conversational late night. Let's get in this world, okay? So journey with me as we have a dialogue dating back many decades, not too many, a couple, many decades. <laughs> yeah, many decades. And many decades. But I want, I want to hear, Doug, as we go through this journey, um, I want you to describe for me um, kind of where it began for you. Paint me a picture uh, let's start with making a puzzle and hit that perimeter first. Frame it for me about where Doug was and how deep it gone before you realized that you needed to be saved, literally, truly saved. That was like a, that's a really tall order. And it's, re- it's weird that between like that seat and this seat, there's only like, I don't know, 22 feet difference, but, but the feeling in this seat is way different from that seat. My hands are sweaty. It's a l- my, little hotter, right? My heart is Turn thumping. up the heat! And I think my memory is over there. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to remember to say. But as, as I'm thinking about the question you just asked there, because I, I got to focus on, uh, you, you know, that's phrase squirrel? Well, yeah, squirrel, that's where my brain goes. But so I focus on what you just said. I, I think about as a kid. So growing up as a kid, I don't know, we're just knuckleheads. Well, maybe I'm still in, but, but I was then too. In a group in a house that my mom was Jewish, my dad was Presbyterian, we went to the synagogue, we went to church, and we just did church stuff because that's what families did on Sundays was go somewhere to do something to learn about God. And I know I learned enough about God to know that there's a right and a wrong. And as I'm trying to think about the question you asked, there, the, the, there, a decision was made. I remember as a kid, this is a weird one. I don't even, it's not even that testimony. But I remember as a kid, another kid asked me, hey, you want to smoke a cigarette? I knew it was the wrong thing to do, and I, I had no desire to do it. But I, yeah, I want to smoke a cigarette. So we crawled out into the ditch behind our house and he lit something on fire, and we... Pause. Temple kids gone? Okay, we're good. We're good. I'm kidding. No, no, I no, made no, sure no. they were gone first. All right. Continue. <laughs> it, was, it was a... This is a cigarette? It wasn't a cigarette. We didn't, he didn't have any tobacco. What he did was he took some paper, and he rolled cotton, a cotton ball in there that had been dipped in scope and dried out, and so he smoked a <laughs> cotton ball. But, but the, the point was, it was, it was that it was, not, was or was not a cigarette. It was, I knew... I was choosing to do the wrong thing. I knew it was not the right thing to do, but I was making a choice at that point to go hide in the ditch and smoke a cotton ball. So, so as, you, as you grew up, right, 
that this was an indicator, right? There was a flag in your testimony here, a moment where you first chose, and although the repercussions were, you know, but the, the action there is still the same in disobedience and, and rebelling. Um, as time went on, how did it, like, it went from cotton balls to other stuff, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But what I want to end up getting to in your arc of, of how God moved in your life is inevitably getting to that cell. Um, what had God been doing in your life between that moment in the ditch and that moment in the prison cell in Orange County? Oh, well, um, again, going back to the Presbyterian church that I remember most about, it was Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus, sheep, he loves you, ark, stuff like that, but, but there, there was no relationship with God. I heard about God's stuff, but God did God's stuff wherever God was at, and, and I did my stuff where I was at. Our paths, like, rarely crossed, if ever, except for maybe at church. But I remember the, the cotton ball went from there to cigarettes to... And if there's a crowd of people moving that direction, at some point, some people stop moving that direction because they clearly know that that's not the right direction to go. But there's also folks that decide that, oh, I'm still going that direction. Well, I was one of those guys that kept going that direction. So one thing led to another. And in, um, I don't know, junior high, I started getting arrested and it continued through senior high and then uh, out of high school and, you know, that early 20s, was in and out of jail, and, and if you want me just to jump to right to that jail cell moment, oh, so I was, uh, I was in the Orange County Jail again, and uh, there was, it was because of a lot of different things that had transpired, and police, and guns, and, and all kinds of stuff, and so I ended up in the jail, and there was a, I, I got into a great big fight. I, I thought there was an injustice being done, so I grabbed two guys on the collar, and it was clearly that was not a good idea because now I got jumped by a hundred guys because I grabbed two guys that happened to be associated with a different, you know, with a different uh, ethnic group. And uh, I ended up in the hospital. So I, got, <laughs> I thought I can handle myself, but I got beat so bad my eye was poked out of the socket and it was just, it was a terrible thing. But I got put back in the in general population and then released into Mod C11 at the Orange County Jail. And my dad had given me a, a Gideon's Bible, a gold Gideon's Bible. And in the inside cover, I, I remember reading, help in time of need, help in time of loneliness, help in time. Of, and I just, I started reading that thing. And I was going through different sections of the Bible. And I remembered in that jail cell, like, here I am. Oh, this is the part that gets me every time. If I cry, it's because I, I don't know what it is, but those attending feelings, it's like it takes me right back there. But I don't need a tissue. I got a sleeve. Um, <laughs> anyway, I was in that jail cell, and here I was, a little older, a little fatter, and and to be nine, honest, though, I may need the tissues. I'm the crier, and everyone knows it. <laughs> nine years had gone by, and I thought, oh my goodness, I was in the same jail cell nine years earlier, but I was three beds over, and this is the best I can do on my own is three beds over, and it was at that moment that I just that. This, the words in that Bible, and this is what I believe to be true. When, like, the kids that are in here, the, we, we get poured into. We can't unlearn what we've learned. We might forget it, but it's in there. And I think at a crucial time in, in our lives, at least in my life, the Holy Spirit allowed me to, they brought to remembrance those things I learned as a kid. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. God loves you, all that kind of stuff. As, a, as an adult, as a 33-year-old in that jail cell, I remembered that stuff, and I thought... 
It was a weak prayer. But my prayer was something like this. God, if you're real, if you're there, help me, save me, do something because I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm going to go back to what I've been doing and I would rather be dead than to be there. Help me. And that was about 11 o'clock that night and I just knew, I don't know how you know, but in my knower, I knew that I knew that I knew that everything was different. That new creation thing, that was happening on the inside in that nobody told me what was going to happen. But this book said I could be a new creation. I could do things different. And, and it was like that, okay, I'm, I'm at the end. I don't know what to do, but cry out to God if you're there. If you're real, then do something here. And he did. What I love about, your, what I love about how you tell and share your story is this moment of looking at where you're at and almost to a point saying, like, I can't believe that it took me this long, but I'm just right here. Like, there's almost like this lack of contentment and this, this need to say, I'm done doing it my way. And when you describe, and even in your testimony in, the, in terms of the Gideon's Bible and, and where it is now and all this stuff, when, when, when you walk through that Second Corinthians uh, 517, that new creation, the old is gone, the new is here, you began to make a choice, right? So um, when we were talking through it, I'd love for you to, to kind of expound and bring them into that choice of recognizing there is something in the supernatural that was done here, and I'm choosing to step away from everything that I once knew. I'm choosing to make decisions that are contradictory to the ways that I've been making decisions up to this date, and I'm going to start with uh, a job, and I'm going to start with the way I appear. Walk, walk through, just, oh. and it's kind of funny. Um, so share with them about uh, this. There's like way too many questions there. I don't even know what to I'm so confused now. But, no, well, I, the thought was this, is, is um, you know, it says, it's, the book says, uh, the oldest past, new I'm a new creation. I get to be new. But the thought that we were talking about the other day was, was that um, I had a certain look about me. It was, you know, real long hair, the long mustache, the leather, and, and dark glasses, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and so when I walked into a place, I was not welcome anywhere. Like, not in families' homes, not in, in stores. I get followed around. So the, the appearance was, he's not here for any, doing any good. I'm going to follow him around. So that was, when I, the new creation part, I thought, you know, if I'm going to be a new creation, I gotta, I gotta do something different. I gotta look different. I gotta think different. I have to act different. I gotta be different because this clearly is not working, and this doesn't line up with the book. And so, I think what you're talking about, I was, I was in a jail. I was stuck in this one jail cell where I, you know, got in the fight, and then I got moved over because, because I started the thing. Like now I'm a, a different level of security or something like that. And, but, but God stepped in. God stepped in and made everything different, and, uh, and so I thought, okay, I want to get out of here. I want to I get out of here this time. Sometimes when you're locked up, it's like it's a vacation because you don't have to do real-life stuff. You just eat and stay alive, but I wanted to get out. I wanted to get out to do life different, and one of the big driving factors was that, was that I ended up there because of doing the choices I had made, but I had two sons, and my two sons were doing what dad was doing. And, but they didn't have the benefit of a relationship with God in their life. 
So no Christ, they would end up here. And who would they turn to? The guys that are around him. So a driving force was, I got to get out of here to teach my kids about God, to tell them about Jesus, to tell them about this relationship that they could have, that, that I have now, that, that the, everything is different. So I, I, I told one of the guards, and it was, I won't, I won't even say the language here because it's like not even makes me cringe. Like I would take a shower when I think about that language. But, but I told the guard, hey, blah, 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 blah. I want to get it. I need to get a haircut. When do you need to get a haircut? I want to get a job. Well, you can't get a job with that kind of hair. I know. I want to get a haircut so I can get a job, so I can reduce my time, so I can get out of here. And um, and it didn't it didn't happen. So you get to change your clothes like every once a, a couple of times a week or every week. So I brought my clothes up there, and and I said something to him, and he said something to me, and I'm still trying to get that job, and and I said the wrong thing. And he says, "Come with me." So I had, he had me set my clothes down on the floor, and he walked me down to the barber, and he said give me a haircut. And so the barber took the, the shears and went, Arr! and then he stopped him and he goes, you, the barber, come with me. I said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. He's, it's like he didn't finish. And, uh, and so they took the, the barber away to go visit somebody or something or other in, in the jail. And I said, well, what about this? So he put me back in the cell. And so I complained and all that stuff. And then, I don't know, it was the next day or two days. Sometime later, they, the guy came back and said, you come down, you're getting a haircut. And so I get down there, and he says, and cut it close. They cut it so close, the back of my head was bleeding. But I got a haircut. I got a haircut so I could get a job, so I could get the right clothes, so I could get the job, so I could get the, my time reduced. And um, because what I really wanted to do with all that said is I just wanted to be different, but I needed to look different for me, in order to think different, in order to be received differently. So you're, you're, you're walking through, honestly, 17, and then as we work through that chapter, this ministry of reconciliation where it, it, it's realizing that verse 17 is true, it's making the choice, but then recognizing what Christ was doing by reconciling um, be between us and God and us to Him, and then they're continuing that ministry of reconciliation on this earth. And, and you and I haven't actually do dove into this, but I, I would love to hear how that, that drive to, to truly continue that ministry of reconciliation to your sons, to your children, um, how, how that played out over time. What was the question in there? I would love to hear from you how that ministry of reconciliation, what God had started in you in that cell, um, once you got out, how that fleshed out as time went on with your kids. I'm not sure about that question, but I, I know that it, what God was birthing in here on the inside was this was, life was broken before. There's new stuff for you on the horizon. Everything can be brand new. And, and I probably would have croaked if I had to do everything brand new all at the same time, though a lot of things did happen at the same time. Um, but it was a, a process. I just remember reading in that. They said, start here and go there. And I, what I did was I started in the beginning. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and just went through to the end. And, um, but in, in getting to the, you know, the, <laughs> into the New Testament, I just realized that there's some expectations if you want to be like Jesus, act like Jesus, you want to you know, be a disciple, someone that wants to be like their master, these are the, some, some of the things that, that I need to change in my life. And, um, uh, you know, a love for others, um, teaching my kids about who, who Jesus is, um, 
the delay, even the language that came out. I mean, this is a weird, and we didn't talk about this, but, but since I got a microphone also. You got the power, uh, go for it. <laughs> I remember I was in this, this other jail cell still trying to get out. It was, uh, of course, this is like 27 years ago or something. So it's been a while. Um, God has been doing a lot of stuff even in the, in the, uh, He's been the, listening to our podcast, and he actually was just released last week, and so he's here with us today. <laughs> I, I just I remember being in this jail cell, and, and I said something, and the guy goes, this other guy that was in there said, hey, you sure do cuss a lot for a Christian. And I said, well, who the are, are you? And he goes, you know, it says in, in this thing to get rid of all such things, blah, 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 and one of them was filthy language. I said, are you kidding me? That's in this thing? Get rid of filthy language. How, how am I supposed to talk if I get... So he showed it to me. He showed yes. me the verse. And I thought, are you kidding? I never knew that. Would you look at... Oh, golly. Would you look at that? Golly, would you look at that? That's in there? But, but what, it, what it told me was there, there are some standards to keep, and that was one of them. You know, forgiveness. Uh, you talked about forgiveness. I remember, and this maybe has nothing to do in, in a spiritual sense, but to me it meant something. When I got locked up that last time, um, there was a lot of people that owed me a lot of money and, and, and a lot of things and favors to call in. And when, when I knew that God had forgiven me of the stuff that makes me cringe, I thought, you know what? If I'm going to be new, I got to have no ties to that other life. And so I made it known in the town that I was in that n- nobody owes me anything. Nobody owes me anything. Uh, and if, you, if I have a debt with you, I'm clearing it. And, uh, because my, my life is new now. My life is different now. I'm not that way. I'm this way now. And so I just needed to cut loose with that. Um, so that was a, it was a measure of forgiveness in there. And, uh, and then just not holding on to, you know, this is a, it's a CR principle, but not holding on to stuff, you know, keeping my side of the street clean. And, and that's what I've tried to purpose to do. So as you walked through this, this, this journey, right, post-prison, um, Ooh, working prison, towards jail, jail post-jail, <laughs> Working towards today, um, walk through how uh, celebrate recovery a twelve step program, or walk through how that both sparked uh, an impact in your life, but also a desire to facilitate that impact in other people's lives. Because you guys celebrate recovery, you you guys were uh, champions of it for a long period of time. So I'd love to hear how recovery helped you, and yeah. how uh, why. You wanted to facilitate recovery in the lives of other people. I was, I was just now looking at it. I, saw, I see well, a bunch of people, but two people that, that I, I can think of. Um, I'm going down that squirrel thing where I forget what I was, was going to talk about. But uh, Two people. Yeah, yeah, that, that part I got. That part's the part that threw me because I looked in Jackie's eyes and Peggy's eyes. and two people, So recovery started way back when, and Jackie's like, she was right here when we started Celebrate Recovery all those years ago. But, you know, when I, when I and, then, and then Peggy, she said something, I don't know how many, how many years ago this was. No, no, not that part. Hmm. Peggy had said something. We had, somehow we got talking about those corn mazes. Well, we don't have corn mazes in California. But corn maze, if you're in a corn, she was in a corn maze somewhere with a, with a younger person, and it was, the sun was starting to set, and, uh, and walking through the, that corn maze and didn't know how to get out. And then somebody popped through the side and said, are you guys lost? You need help getting out. Well, yeah, they did. Sun was setting. I got a kid with me. So they walked the way out. What does that have to do with anything? A lot of times what we need is someone that can show us the way out. 
And, and so Celebrate Recovery, AANA, all the 12-step programs, in my life, that was a way to, to show me the way out. Because though God stepped into my life and cleaned me up in, in, a, in a jail cell, um, now i got to get out and i got to do life. But I had no idea how to do life. I, I had a really good idea how to do what I was doing, but I didn't know how to live. You know, I could, uh, it was all I could do to get my pants on one leg at a time and, and just wake up. So I needed somebody, and it started off with NA, Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, any of the A's that I could go to, and then I ran across Celebrate Recovery in California. So I used to go to Celebrate Recovery out there. And as they come alongside people that are like-minded, that are, we're, we're just, you know, that um, one person helping another person. We do this in community, trying to live life. And, and it, without that, you know, I, I, this I'm confident of. Without getting clean, I wouldn't have sought after God. But without God, I couldn't stay clean. And so it went, that went, for me, that went hand in hand. So I know that in terms of your, your, you and your wife's passion for Tanzania, I know the origin of it on how Steve kind of tricked you into it. Um, but that's another big aspect of, of man, the, the kingdom impact that you have, the, the driving passion that I see as I observe you, right? It's both in recovery and testifying to the grace of God that you're a new creation and popping through everyone else's corn maze and saying, hey, come with me, I can walk you through this, but also um, being a trailblazer and establishing and pouring into and praying and partnering with other organizations in Tanzania. Um, I would love for a flyby of your heart and passion of, because I believe this is a byproduct of when God stepped in. He stepped in way back here, but why Tanzania? And why is it still such a high priority in your life? I might not even get to that, that answer, but, but the, what came to mind was, you know how we get people in our lives that make a, a huge impact, and for some reason, reason we just we remember the name? Well, I remember this guy's name, Bob Bodner. I don't know why. I can't remember what it looks like. But he went into the jail systems in, in, uh, in Orange County, California, and he would had a little class for you know a couple of months, and he would show videos of places around the world just stuff, people doing things, being involved in life stuff. And he said, you know, you, you guys, all of us that were in the orange jumpsuits, you guys have the opportunity when you get out of here to do something different. You have choices. You can do stuff once you get out of here if your choices are different. And he showed us videos and clips of stuff all around the world. And I thought, my cell is like 10 by 10, and that's my world. But he said, I could do stuff if I make different choices. God had said I was a new creation. I could do stuff different also. And so I took that to heart like, well, shoot, if I can do stuff, I'm going to do stuff. And um, the, the tan, as far as Tanzania goes, that maybe started way back in, in a septic tank in Mexico where we, were, we had the opportunity and the blessing to be able to dig a, san, a septic tank for a, a church in Mexico. And in the bottom of that septic tank, there was another uh, recovering alcoholic in there that I really looked up to. Be, is he became a counselor, and he said, "Doug, you know what? I've I've learned something here." And I thought, "Well, shoot, when Terry Ladau speaks, people listen." Is he was important to me, so I stopped and said, "What what did you learn, Terry?" He says, "This uh, mission stuff. This is not for me." He says, "Man, I'll pray for you. I'll give money, but I, I don't want to go anymore." And I thought, "Wow, this is exactly for me. You could leave me in this septic tank in Mexico because I." I this is great. So it went from there to a few other mission trips, but then being over in Tanzania, it was like my, um, 
Christian experience, my Christian walk was just enriched over there when I saw the, uh, the feet that are being put to faith, faith in action. Not that it doesn't happen here, because it certainly, it does indeed happen here, but in a different way over there, and, and the invitation was to come back. Well, it's easy to come back if you're invited, right? Yeah. I, I'm, well, I'm already welcome. I'm getting invited. And, and then I saw lives being changed, you know, individuals, families, communities. And for the most part, a lot of the, these folks are people that um, a lot of the, the, the impact that it's just not me, but it's, it's, it's us. It's anybody that's ever been involved with, with sending somebody somewhere. But the, the, the impact that it's making on in people's lives and their eternities, right? Um, eternities are being altered because people over here are praying or because some, someone threw a dollar in or whatever it happens to be, there are eternal differences being made on half a world away. And I'm like, I don't need to know what they all are, but I know they're happening. And uh, just the way my life was changed and, and altered, um, you know, back in that jail cell, here's a weird thing. I don't know why I remember this other than it's in there, 1516120. That's like, that was my jail number, like in 1994. I don't know why I still remember that, but I do. But so in here, there's a, um, Onesimus, right? Onesimus in the Bible. I, think, I can't remember what, what book is that in. Philemon. So Onesimus, he was, he was once useless, and then he's useful. I felt like that Onesimus guy in that once useless, now useful. As far as Tanzania goes, there are people that uh, there's a profound difference being made in their lives where eternities are being changed and altered um, because people said yes. I don't know if that answers the question. But it's been a drive in, in, our, in our heart. Like, yeah. I figure it's not been easy getting over this. last trip was like, oh, my goodness, what a pain. But my thought has always been if God leaves that door of opportunity, whatever it is you're seeking, if that door of opportunity is open even a little bit, it's still open. And so we'll just keep moving forward. I feel like there's so many things with your story that compel, I, I just, I pray that each of us can walk into a situation confident in our purpose and our calling based on our context and our past. I feel like both with recovering and your mission work in Tanzania, you exemplify being an ambassador. You do, you do whether it's local or it's there, um, you are being a representative, and, and, and you're in a location leading people to reconciliation, giving truth, delivering the only thing that can set them free. And so, for me, it's a challenge. It's like, what, what is my Tanzania, right? Because if people aren't willing to say yes, if they're willing to be in that corn maze, if they aren't willing to go the mile and extend a hand to begin that dialogue, then it's all for nothing. Great. Heaven's increased by one because of you accepting Christ. Great. But I believe that the price that he paid is far greater than just you. And so for me, it's just so compelling because, because when, when, I look at, when I look at this and when I read this, and when I get to that verse 21, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wrecked both in conviction but also um, compassion, um, but also drive to recognize the significance of the righteousness of Christ being deposited to my account. 
and being sent as an ambassador, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. There are, there's so many illustrations. The whole time you share your story, all I hear are words that depict baptism. I once was one way, he interrupted, and now I'm forever changed. I was dry, and now I'm wet. It's like, that's just how it is. And, and for you to say, you know, I'm, I'm a new creation. The old, it's gone. The debts you owed me, they're forgiven. The debts I owed, I'm going to do everything I can to pay them because I'm not living like that anymore. And, and I just, and I feel, um, I continue and driven to, be, to go back to the gospel, uh, inevitably to the death of Christ. Because for me, the cross, that's, that's, that's where it's at. And, and the moment that he died, God gave us a physical illustration of the significance and impact, in my mind, of verse 21. And that is the tearing of the veil. In the temple, there was a thick, tall veil that separated the Holy of Holies, um, the innermost portion of the temple, uh, to the inner portion of the temple. There was this veil that extended up, that no man, no sin, nothing was allowed to enter into that area. The presence of God resided there, and it was the barrier that was between man and God. It was there because it had to be there. Because, because the blood that is shed on the altar, the burnt incense, all the stuff that they've been doing in their religion at the temple, it was temporary atonement. They had to keep doing it over and over and over and over and over. Nothing was, was spotless enough. No blood was pure enough. No sacrifice was truly righteous until Christ. In Matthew 27, verse 50, it says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. God gave us an illustration. What I love, not only was the height of that, uh, that curtain ridiculous, but also the thickness was. And the fact that it was torn from top to bottom only more glorifies God because he's the one that did it. It wasn't two priests on two ends running in the opposite direction. He did it from top to bottom, representing the barrier between God and man is no longer there that you have an opportunity, whether you're in a prison cell or you're sitting in a pew, whether in your car in traffic or wherever you're at, in the worst of your worst, you have the opportunity to have an encounter with God and you leave forever changed, reconciled, a new creation, walking in freedom and in power of the resurrection. You have the opportunity to turn and walk. You have the opportunity to receive what it is, a renewing of your mind. To see that different. To, to, to see yourself differently. To see him differently. To see others differently. That is what is available to you because of what Christ did. And what I feel like we, I really feel like we go through life, honestly, even today, 
the same way that you were feeling at the beginning of your life going in, this distant relationship between a God that was doing his thing and me that's wallowing and struggling in my own thing. And there's this distance between us and him that is really a byproduct of us because we're not worthy of him. And who are we? We're ants in the midst of his creation. But the, but the reality, but the reality, and this is why I love, whether you're in a cell or not, whether in your lowest or in that ditch, wherever you're at in your walk, he's right there. He's with you. He knows what you think about yourself. And sometimes he's screaming something different. Sometimes he's whispering. But the reality is that he's always talking. His creation itself, the word of God that we're given, the Holy Spirit. Each of us are incredibly valuable in the eyes of him. And yes, we are living in a temporal world. Yes, we are sojourners. Yes, we are tense, moaning and groaning, messing up all the time. But yes, he paid that price. Yes, he died on that cross and rose again. Yes, the veil is torn. Yes, he, you are a new creation if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Yes, we don't judge by the heart. We don't judge by the outside. We judge by the heart. God's the one that does it. We'll be standing before him one day, and we will recognize that the promises that he gave while he walked this earth, before he came to this earth, and even after he did the promises that he declared, he will follow through with, that he has been preparing a place for us, and we will walk in all of eternity worshiping him in his presence. That drive that Doug felt when he was in the cell about the people that God had put in his life, that God had stewarded to him, his children, the, 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 the drive that he had that, to wake up and look up is something I'm praying is sparked in us. If the reality of what God has done does not compel you to be driven to your knees, then let it be the people that you are with that are hopeless and searching, broken without knowledge of what is true. And may each of us accept that we may be the only ones that can share it. I may be the only one that tells you I may be the only one that you listen to that tells you how valuable you are. So we plead. I pray that you encounter him. That it changes you that you let your brokenness be an example like Doug has in a ministry, that you walk in boldness in foreign territories as an ambassador, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, that we 
having been reconciled with him, operate in that ministry with others. Thank you so much for sharing with us, man. Thank you so much for just being vulnerable, being real. But, uh, man, to God be the glory about what he's enabled you to do and what you're able to testify. He is so good. Amen to that. Mm. It's always good to be able to talk about God. That's right. Let me pray as the band comes up. Father, all we can do, all we can do is just respond in worship to you. For you are here. God, thank you for your story through Doug. As he shares so many things, God, I just, I, you bring to remembrance the ways that you have done these things to me. You, sh you remind me, you, you bring up the truth about what you've done, about who you are. God, thank you for that barrier being torn from top to bottom. Thank you for giving us affirmation of the opportunity for intimacy with you. Thank you for following up, not just with word, that we have now have the opportunity to receive that righteousness of Christ through faith in what Jesus did, but you showed us by establishing a new way to interact with you that we can come before you right now. Whether we're in a ditch or we're in a cell or we're in the church, it doesn't matter where we are, we have the opportunity to experience you. We have the opportunity to plead with you. I'm done doing it my way. I don't know all the answers. All I know is everything I think is wrong. We have the opportunity to say, God, I surrender these things, these vices that I run to. God, I'm done believing these lies. Father, I'm ready to know who I am and I know that the only way I can be confident in it is if it's from you. Let me walk in this freedom that you say is available. Let me rest in the reality that I am seen as righteous through your eyes because of the price that your son paid. My faith in him as my Lord and Savior. God, these are the things that I pray over those that hear this. These are the things that I pray that we respond to you about through worship. As we raise a hallelujah, as we declare you as holy, as we just fix our eyes on you, and as, as, we, as we sing, and as we worship, and as we declare your truth, Father, do a work in us and minister to us. And as God's doing this and as we worship, I just want you guys to know that I'm going to be over here worshiping as well. And if you need prayer or God's doing something, the altar is open. This is just going to be an opportunity for us to respond however the Lord leads.
but I just want to worship with you. Lord, may you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Midweek Podcast here at Temple Church. If something spoke to your heart today, we'd love to hear from you and walk alongside you. You can reach us at temple at temple.church or you can send us a text message at 252-521-2093. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd love it if you rate and review the show and share it with your friends. That helps us to get the word out. Again, you can join us weekly for more episodes on how God can transform us and use us for His kingdom. We'll see you next time.